take a moment to consider all the factors that impact your health. What comes to mind? Your diet? Perhaps your lifestyle, like whether you exercise, drink, or smoke? Maybe you thought about your family history of diseases like cancer or diabetes. But health and well-being go beyond that. The field of public health is about thinking broader, thinking beyond the individual, about how our built environment affects us, how laws and policies impact us, and how the social forces influence our behavior and well-being. Each week, this podcast will discuss one topic from the wonderful world of public health to reveal these ubiquitous hidden forces and artifacts. One episode at a time, we will show how public health is all around us. Welcome to Everything is Public Health. Everything is Public Health. Welcome back to Everything is Public Health. I'm MJ. And I'm Cass. So Christmas announcements, we will be skipping two weeks, one for Christmas and one for New Year's, as well as the bonus episodes associated with them. Go spend time with your family. Go relax. It's the holidays, though it's still COVID. So, you know, travel safely, get vaccinated for both the COVID and the flu. Yeah, we know you'll miss us, but you'll see us back in the new year. Yes, yes, we'll be back very shortly. So like with Thanksgiving, we will be releasing a Fireside Chat episode the Monday before Christmas. So look forward to that. But just want to let everyone know we're taking two weeks off for the holidays. Yay, holidays holidays and thank you so much for listening it's been an amazing year of making this we both having a lot of fun and it's i don't know like it's really nice to do something like this it's something i look forward to every week at least is it too early to start thinking about an anniversary celebration (laughs) in july no it's never too early to think about anniversary celebration (laughs) i feel like we should do something special i know july 1st in 2021 landed on a thursday which is tied into the release day right i'm assuming it won't again fall on a thursday although (laughs) it is our anniversary and your birthday so i feel like we should plan something special for that we will we definitely special episode yeah And again, another quick announcement, we relatively recently hit 2,000 downloads. So thank you again for everyone's support. Please help us spread the word about the show. And that's, I think, the best thing you could do for us right now is just let more people know that this show exists and that public health is a thing. So we definitely have more plans coming up in the future about changes that we're going to make to hopefully make the show better for everyone. More guests. Yes, we'll have more guests. That's one of our plans. And please stay tuned for that. Happy holidays, everyone. We'll be taking two weeks off. Now, to get into the episode. So originally, I was planning on doing something different, like a heavier topic for the episode. But then I thought Uh about it's probably not a good idea to end the year on a very depressing (laughs) topic. So I scrapped that idea. And we're doing this topic, which is a little lighter instead, which is exercise. It's something that when people think about health, we more or less associate it with exercise. People talk a lot about, you know, wellness and fitness and stuff like that. How much do you exercise? I get a little bit of exercise most days. So because I walk Penny pretty much every day. So, mm-hmm. you know, we go for a, a brisk walk most days and then I try to run or ride the bike a couple of days a week. So most days I get light exercise and then I try to do something a little bit more vigorous a few days a week. So you you definitely exercise more than I do. My only exercise is biking to work, which doesn't happen every day. And once a week I go rock climbing indoors. Obviously, I'm not some crazy nature person, <laughs> but and I've I've always like hated exercise. I hated running. I don't think I'll ever be a runner. If you hate running, you're doing it wrong. That's what a lot of runners tell me. So I was always of the mindset that running was terrible. It is. When I played sports, I hated running. And then I guess, I don't know, in in May, maybe I started running again. I had some injuries that kept me out of it and I wanted to sort of ease into it. So I've been using Nike Run Club and 
and they have guided runs. And Coach Bennett, who's one of the main people, he talks about like, if you feel like you hate running, you've never done it right. Like it's, you start out slow and easy and sort of let your body get used to the movement and work your way up. And yeah, I enjoy running. I have a hard time running when it gets cold outside because my asthma flares up. So I haven't been running as much lately, but then I just ride the bike inside. No, if you hate running, you know, you just got to it's just running. It's not like a it's I mean, not torture. just running. <laughs> just run slower. <laughs> just running. You make it sound so easy. Like I don't mind running if it's part of an activity. Exercising when I'm playing something, I enjoy that. But I guess I just hate the idea of running for the sake of running. And I never understood. It. Anyway, so exercise, as both of us know, and I'm sure a lot of listeners know, exercise is important for our health. But the reason why I want to do this is because I want to dive into kind of the human history of exercise because I feel like exercise is just a huge part of our modern lingo and our modern consciousness that people talk about exercise all the time, how that's a good thing. So I want to go over the history of exercise from an evolutionary perspective. Ooh, evolution. Very fancy. Okay. So in the vast majority of human history, people exercise for two reasons. One, because they have to, or two, because it's fun. And what do I mean when I say because they have to? Because either they're chasing something or they're being chased or because it's part of their duty, right? So let's say your job is a Spartan warrior and you have to run because your job is a Spartan soldier. That's just part of what your duty is. And two, because it's fun in that they get some enjoyment out of it. So like anything like sports or I don't know, some recreational activity that provided exercise. But those are the two, pretty much the only two reasons why people did any form of exercise in the vast majority of human history, which is because they have to or because they enjoyed it. And you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, how is that different from today? And here's the thing. Today, like modern society, we have now a third reason for exercise, which is exercise for the sake of fitness and exercise for exercise sake, which is distinctly different than exercise because you have to, right? So when people go out and run to improve their fitness, they don't have to in a sense that people in the past have to. Like people in the past have to because it's part of their life. It's part of their duty in society or whatever, right? It's, they're a hunter or they're like... Or they, you know, will die if they don't run away from the thing that's chasing them. Right, <laughs> exactly. So it's a very recent creation that exercise for fitness sake. And I just... Are you ready for a hot take? <laughs> MJ's hot takes. hot takes. We haven't had one of these in a while. Yeah, well, now, here it is. Exercise for exercise sake is not natural from an evolutionary perspective. Humans are not evolved to exercise just for the sake of exercise. Humans are evolved to exercise because, again, because either they have to or because they enjoy it. For the longest time, I would feel bad that I don't like running because a lot of my friends run and a lot of my friends are like really into, and including my family members are really into like the sort of exercise as fitness. And I would feel really guilty for not loving to go outside. But then, you know, after I did some, you know, reading about this topic, I realized that if you really think about it, exercise for fitness sake is like really weird from an evolutionary perspective. Like you don't see this with any other animal. Like lions don't go, let me just go run to improve my speed. You know, they run because they are chasing something or monkeys don't do pull-ups because, okay, let me do this (laughs) pull-up so I could, you know, climb better. Do you know what I mean? Like if it's- Right, they just climb. They just climb. Right, they don't. I understand your point in that, most animals don't do additional things, right? They just do it. To improve their performance. They just do the thing, right? So if you want to chase down an, an antelope, 
You just run and chase down an antelope. And if you don't catch it, you don't catch it, right? You're not like, oh, let me go do some wind sprints so (laughs) that next time I can catch an antelope, right? Right. Um, So I get what you're saying. But on the other hand, there feels almost like an evolutionary drive to the desire to exercise for exercise sake because we know that fitness and health can improve sort of selection of mates. We sure, know sure, sure. that, you know, it, there can be exercise and health can be indicators of sort of your high quality genes, right? So I recognize that yes, exercising for the sake of health is maybe counter to what we've seen evolutionarily, but there are some underpinnings yeah, there to are a little bit. the decision to do these things, right? Yeah, there definitely are. And I think the point I want to emphasize is that it's a relatively modern concept. I mean, within a century, maybe that exercise for fitness like really became mainstream. Like previously, you exercise because you have to or you exercise because fun. And I think what you mentioned with in terms of like mate selection and just appearing more healthy, that was a byproduct mostly because of the first two reasons. Like because they have to or because it's fun, they're really good at it. So they be, they're more attractive. It's, again, not until modern history that do we realize that exercise can improve your chances of finding a partner that do we exercise for that sake, particularly. So, you know, how people work out to get a better body so that they look more attractive. That's, again, a very modern thing to do. Like previously, when people are more attractive, it's because they're just good at it. Like genetically, they're good at it or and they, they're good at being attractive. <laughs> right. It's it's a, again, like it's. It's a relatively modern thing to exercise for your know, bodybuilding. No, it was just it was just a funny way to say, "Oh, you're just you're attractive because you're good at it." It was just a funny. Like you're, previously, people were muscular because they're they're very good at their jobs, and they became muscular because they had to do that. Right. And yeah. No, I know what you meant. It just sounded funny. Come on, you know I need to I need to bust on you when you say silly things. Yes, I try to do that all the time. You know, cars drive on roads. <laughs> very very deep um, it's it's a modern concept so i just want to you know shout out to people like me out there like if you don't feel the natural urge to exercise for exercise sake you're not abnormal you're not abnormal you're actually normal because all of our human evolution is priming us so that we don't have to work because in nature we work because we have to so this is getting a little too like metaphysical but what i'm trying to say say it's getting a little meta but okay let's go I'm trying to say is the reason why we're not exercising as much is not so much that we are devolving into a lazier species. It's more that the modern life that we have created for ourselves simply doesn't require that much exercise. And therefore, evolutionary speaking, our you know evolutionary monkey and lizard brains are just like, well, if I don't have to work, I'm not going to work. And it's a very natural thing to not work if you don't have to work. Sure, that makes sense. You know, hundreds of years ago, more of us were doing actual labor, right? Manual kinds of labor, right? Farming, hunting, gathering, etc. And that job was more conducive to a healthy fit physique because you needed good stamina and cardio and all these things to be able to do your job, to make your contribution, for you to survive, etc. And now millions of people work in jobs where they think for a living as opposed to do something physical for a living. And then, so you don't have that same natural reason for fitness, which is where the exercise for exercise sake comes in because in their daily 
yeah. tasks, people don't have that exposure, so then they do it separately. It's like a twin evolution as modern life makes things easier and easier for us. The need for exercise disappears naturally from our lives, and therefore the trend of exercise for exercise sake kind of grew out from that to sort of compensate. Here's the public health aspect of things, because this is, after all, a public health episode and public health show. When we talk about getting people to exercise, which is, again, exercise is a very important thing for our health. And in general, people should exercise just because it's a very healthy thing to do. Here's the public health aspect. When we think about encouraging people to exercise, we have to think about like why people are not exercising in the first place. And this is one of my favorite concepts. Uh, I don't know if it's a quote, but sustainable routines is way better than like burst of motivation when it comes to exercise. Oh, for sure. And the reason why people find, or people like me, I guess, find exercise difficult is because it's hard for us to find a sustainable routine. And a lot of people who are thinking of beginning to exercise for exercise sake run into this problem of sustainable routine, which is they try to do too much all at once. Yep. They would say, okay, I'm going to go to a gym like every day. I'm going to hit the weights every day. And then they burn out. They're just like, oh my God, I have to go to a gym. And then it doesn't happen. Well, the same is true. I know this is about exercise and not diet, but the same is true when people do crash diets, right? They're like, oh, I'm going to only eat a thousand calories and I'm going to, you know, try to lose all this weight. Which PSA, not sustainable. Right. Not sustainable, not healthy in most cases. And then they get burned out really quickly. And that's just not a healthy way to do it. But small changes that you bundle with other habits. I think we've talked about this in prior episodes, habit bundling. A little bit. Be more sustainable and make changes that will support longer term health as opposed to crashing. So when it comes to a public health perspective, because both of us are public health, well, you're a professional. <laughs> I'm, I'm just so are you. This. We're both public health professionals. You have a job in public health where you are yeah. paid. You're a public health professional. You know what? I'll own up to it. Yes, because we're both public health professional. There you go. Here's the perspective that we want to emphasize, which is when we want to promote exercise and exercise for fitness on a global or a wide scale, We cannot keep beating this idea that you don't exercise because you're lazy. Like this concept of, oh, anyone could do it. And we sort of alluded this in the food desert episode, which is the very first episode that we did, that this idea that anyone can do it, you just don't do it because you lack willpower or you're just not motivated enough. That is not a sustainable routine. You're not encouraging a sustainable routine. You're encouraging burst of motivation via fear, guilt, and shame. Right. And then we talked about before decision fatigue. Like you only have so much willpower. You only have so much decision-making capacity. The more decisions you have to make, the harder it is to then make healthy choices when you're flooded with too many choices or too little time or too much stress. And the idea that any one individual just needs to sort of have more mental discipline is just a false narrative. Yeah. And if we want more people to exercise, we cannot rely on, you know, fancy gym memberships. We cannot rely on these like, you know, campaigns that encourages people to exercise without thinking about the structural factors in place. So, for example, I'll use myself as an example. Previously, I had a fully remote job, which I've since quit. And I rarely exercise because I didn't really have to. Like I work from home. But now that I have a job that is relatively close to me, I try to bike to work as many days as I can, even though sometimes it's not necessary. And because of that, because I've built in biking to work into my routine, I've exercised more. So this is what I mean when I say, if you want to encourage 
exercise, you need to encourage sustainable routines. And what that means is you need to have structures built in. So having more bike lanes in the city or making sure that cities are not just designed for cars, right? I'm looking at you, Houston. <laughs> I recently saw a video about how awful Houston's urban planning is for pedestrians and bikes. But anyway. <laughs> oh, quick side note. Uh, this was a few years ago, definitely in the before times, but bicyclists were getting ticketed in New York City for not riding in the bike lanes. And so people were getting mad because the bike lanes were constantly blocked by trucks and cars and other things. And so a, yeah, guy, no one respects it. a guy made a video. He's like, okay, you want me to ride in the bike lane? Here you go. He made a video of himself riding in the bike lane and he crashed like 20 times. I mean, they were they were low speed crashes because he was making a point about it. But it was like, oh, here, here's a here's eight boxes of produce stacked in the bike lane. Oh, here's a car with an open door parked, you know, in the bike lane. And just he just kept crashing over and over again. He's like, this is absurd. You can't ticket bicyclists for riding in the street if you are blocking the bike lanes and not ticketing those people. Right. And this comes back to a core principle in public health and specifically injury prevention, which is make the safest thing the easiest thing. Translate it to public health more broadly, make the healthiest thing the easiest thing, right? Make it easy for people to engage in the behaviors you want as opposed to trying to punish people or make them feel bad for doing the things you don't want them to do. Yeah. And this goes, for example, having more bike lanes or making sure that, I don't know if you see this in, in Silicon Valley and like in the West Coast in the Bay Area where I, where I lived, you get these like places where just like companies and companies and companies and they're all together in like this fake suburb looking area. Yeah. D do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, so I, I grew up in Washington state. I grew up in sort of the suburbs, the loose, loosely used suburbs yeah, um, of right. Seattle is a little bit further away than being a suburb technically. But anyway, yeah, we see that all the time. It'd be like, like a, a company park or almost. Oh yeah. yeah. T tons, tons and tons are all over the place. Yeah. So if you design places where all the companies are together and far away, you're encouraging driving essentially, instead of having companies more spread out in the community so that people can live around the place that they work so that you know that you can encourage but it's it's things like this where if we want to promote exercise on a population-based level we have to think about these things how do we make sure that it becomes a sustainable routine for people so by even something as simple as having a park nearby or having you know a basketball court nearby just things like that can really encourage people to exercise because it's there it's available to them and I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to talk about how much I hate cars again. Of course you are. <laughs> of course you are. You, I feel like it is your goal to insert some comment about how much cars suck every episode. Like it's, you've taken on this challenge. I'll spare the long rant, but the synopsis is American cities are not designed for people. They're designed for cars. And as a result, everything becomes much more difficult. I was going to say as an example, so... My husband's company moved into a relatively newly remodeled, it's not a new building, but a newly remodeled building. But the the co-owner, he's really big into health and fitness, like does Ironmans, like does crazy oh, wow. five, really like all the, oh <laughs> wow. yeah. So when they put their office in this new building, they intentionally included a gym Sure. Because they wanted to make it as easy as possible for the staff to have a place to exercise, right? So it's open all day. They virtually stream in training classes. Sometimes they have a bunch of different equipment. 
and folks will exercise in the morning or during lunch or before they leave for the day. And so that can be a nice way. I mean, not every company has the resources for that. And, and, you know, obviously not everybody's going to use it, but there are ways that we can prioritize it and make it easier for people to engage in those activities Yeah, if we could. Yeah, this reiterates the point, just make the healthiest option the easiest. And I definitely realized that if I live, back in the days when I still live in apartment complexes, if there is a gym in the apartment complex, I definitely exercise more just because it's there and it's free because I'm not paying for any gym. <laughs> it's funny, when I travel, yeah. not that I'm traveling a lot right now, but when I would travel more, I worked out more when I was traveling because I would just go to the hotel gym in the morning before starting the day. It's free. Right. And I would just would just work out. It was great. Didn't have to think too much of it. It added a little bit of time to my day, but not much. I would never go to the gym when I'm at home. You got to get in the car. You got to drive. Right. You know, it's not like I have a gym that I can walk to where I live. So it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. We're just emphasizing the same point again and again, which is if you make it easy, people will are just more likely to do it. So when we think about improving the fitness of, okay, if we're thinking about improving the fitness of the society, we just need to make sure that we built in these things so that it allows people to just work out naturally instead of having to use their willpower to schedule it into their day, maybe like drive 20 minutes to a gym just to exercise. So another tip, if you're like me, so I'm going to say who hates exercise for exercise sake, a really good tip is to simply find an activity that you like. So if you like volleyball, just play volleyball. Like that's perfect exercise. You don't have to like run and weight train or something. Just find an activity that you like and doing that counts as exercise. You don't have to prepare for a marathon and only that counts as exercise. Just simply moving your body is sometimes enough. Well, and just simply going for a walk. Like people think, oh, I have to run, right? No, you don't. There's been a lot of research. The health benefits of running versus walking, there's minimal differences. The main difference being if you run, you get done a greater distance more quickly. But if you walked that same distance at a brisk pace, I mean, not like you know, lollygagging around. I like to walk with purpose. Got a quick pace going on, but you do walk with purpose. Yeah. You know, if you walk a mile, two miles, a couple of times a week, that can be as good for you as running a couple of times a week if you do it consistently. And if you're more likely to walk than run, then walking three days a week is better than never running. Yeah, exactly. I hope this episode illustrates that what's important when it comes to encouraging exercise is sustainable routines. I mean, willpower is important, but you really shouldn't just shame people into like, oh, you don't exercise this many times a week. Like that's not a sustainable solution. You need to encourage routines, start small, focus on being active in small ways rather than trying to run a marathon tomorrow. And don't shame yourself. Yeah, don't shame yourself. That's not healthy. Don't beat up on yourself. Don't have an inner drill sergeant, right? Show yourself some patience and loving kindness. And if you do want to make changes, bundle those habits with other things. Like if you want to listen to a podcast, go for a walk and listen to the podcast or, you know, whatever it is, these small changes can be far more sustainable and be nice to yourself. Yes, be nice to yourself. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Everything is Public Health. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and spread the word so more and more people can learn about the wonderful, omnipresent essence of public health. New episodes are released every Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 
Follow us on Twitter at everythingisph or Instagram at everythingispublichealth. Send us questions or comments to everythingispublichealth at gmail.com. Also reach out if you think we missed an important perspective or suggest a future episode topic. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Crefasi. And if you want to see any of my delicious gluten-free baking creations, you can follow me on Instagram at CassPhD. Please also give us a rating and a review on wherever you listen to your podcast. It does help us immensely. Don't forget to like, share, and comment as well. If you want to support the podcast directly, we have a Patreon page, and you can find the link for that in the episode description below. Happy holidays. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health.